Pastor Xavier Reese, pointing out the signs of the times that signal the coming end of time. The first part of the prophecy of Zechariah was clearly fulfilled. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, fulfilled. Zechariah has a second part to his prophecy. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. That's the second coming. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The explosive ninth chapter of Daniel starts with Daniel doing what we are doing, studying the Bible, looking for answers. By reading, believing, and then understanding the prophecy of Jeremiah, Daniel was rightly able to determine that he was living in the time that Jeremiah foresaw. And so today, Pastor Xavier continues a very close examination of what we now know to be Daniel's 70 weeks of prophecy, mining the simple truths of what is yet to be fulfilled. Let's listen. The message is entitled, The First 69 Weeks of Daniel. Daniel, knowing the 70-year captivity was almost, um, according to the books of Jeremiah, has been seeking the Lord, as you know, to make requests by prayer and supplication with fastings, sackcloth, and ashes by confessing and repenting for himself first and then for the people of God in the first year of Darius, 538 B.C. You get that in chapter 9 of Daniel, verse 1 to verse 19. While Daniel was in prayer, in verse 20 to 23 of Daniel, confessing his sins and the sins of his people Israel, and praying for the mountain of God, the angel Gabriel appeared to him in the evening oblation, informing him that he had come to answer his prayer, to give him skill and understanding of the vision that he was greatly beloved. So what we have here is an actual answer to the prayer of Daniel, the confession seeking God for wisdom regarding the time of the fulfillment of the 70 weeks and God reveals the future. In chapter 9, the book of Daniel here, we have one of the most amazing prophecies of Scripture, known as the 70th week of Daniel, considered to be the very backbone and skeleton of all biblical prophecy. The 70 weeks of Daniel give us a clear and precise picture of God's dealing with the nation of Israel until the Lord's return on earth to set up His kingdom. That's the key. It regards Israel. No one else. The first coming of Jesus Christ here is the backdrop. And is laid out for us in a three simple movement. First, the particulars of the prophecy in verse 24. Second, you have the particular time of the prophecy, verse 25. And third, you have the particular fulfillment of the prophecy in verse 26. He lays it out. The particulars of the prophecy come first. Verse 24. Now, remember, the backdrop is Daniel is praying, seeking, confessing. The angel Gabriel comes to give him the interpretation. This is an answer. The angel Gabriel is giving all this. So notice the angel Gabriel indicated the period of this prophecy to be the 70 weeks. The word weeks literally means a period of unit of sevens in the Hebrew. 
The phrase 70 weeks is a multiple of 70 sevens. The total would be 490 years. Okay, 7 times 70 is 490 years. Now notice next, the angel Gabriel identified the people related and involved in the prophecy. Indicated by the phrase, for your people. The church has nothing to do with this. Daniel never understood it, didn't know anything about the church. He's talking about his people. The first half of Daniel deals with the Gentile. Now the last half with Israel. Daniel was a Jew who had been taken in captivity, as you know, by Nebuchadnezzar in the first siege, 606 B.C. Daniel's people were also Jewish, who were taken in three sieges, 606, 596, 586, the final one. Daniel had been making intercession for his people. Who? The Jews. Daniel 9, verse 1 to 19. It's the Jews that's the subject. Once again, notice the angel Gabriel equally identified the place for the prophecy to be fulfilled in Jerusalem by the phrase, for your holy city, Jerusalem. Notice next that the angel Gabriel gave the purpose of the prophecy. It is twofold and clearly stated. The first part of the prophecy deals with the victory over sin here. The first coming. Remember again, it's all about the Jews. The application, not the church or Gentiles. First to finish the transgression. Mark it well. The word finish means to bring to an end the idea of being of restraint or to restrict the transgression of Israel at the end of the 70 years when Jesus returns. So to finish the transgression deals with the sin, the transgression of Israel. The rebellion. The Jew has rejected the Messiah. The Jew has rejected the gospel. They don't believe Jesus is Messiah. Yet they will call upon him in his name in the second coming. Very clear. Thirdly, regarding the Jew. To make an end of sins. The phrase make an end of sins means to seal up or complete the removal of the sins of Israel. They're still in their sin. There is no sacrifice. There is no temple today. God will remove the sins of Israel as far as the east as the west and burying them in the deepest ocean at the end of the 70 years. Psalm 103.12, Micah 7.19. Not before. The book of Hebrews even declares we have embraced that covenant, but yet they have not. Now the covenant of Jerusalem will be fulfilled And God will put his laws in their mind and write them in their heart. He will be their God and they will be his people. Jeremiah 31, 33 through 40 tells us the covenant, the new covenant in their mind and written in their hearts at the end of those 70 years. Okay, the 70th year. In other words, the end of the tribulation, the second coming. This all deals with Israel. Very important. The particulars of the prophecy were to make the way for salvation. Notice secondly, comes the particular time of the prophecy in verse 25. The angel Gabriel once again reveals the prophecy is divided into three divisions. The first division is of seven weeks in the middle of verse 25. The second division 
is of 62 weeks, also they're in the middle of 25. So you have 7 and the 62 weeks. Then you have the third one in verse 27, the last week. The sum total again, 70 weeks. The angel Gabriel revealed the prophecy has a starting point. The starting point involves a decree about Jerusalem. Listen to the words. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem. That's our starting point. The ending date involves the arrival of a person. That person is until Messiah, the prince. Both in verse 25. The particular time of the prophecy was to secure the way of salvation. So thirdly, now we have the particular fulfillment of the prophecy. Look at verse 26. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah should be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of war's desolations are determined. The decree of Artaxerxes to Nehemiah in 445 B.C. Recorded in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 1 through 8. This decree was a command to restore and build Jerusalem. Including the walls and the gates. In Nehemiah chapter 4. This decree is the starting point of the 70 weeks of Daniel. March 14. 445 B.C., the starting point, the command. Now, the first division of the prophecy marks the end of the Old Testament canon. The first seven weeks, 7, 7, 49. The seven weeks multiplied by 7 equals 49 years. Listen to the words. There shall be seven weeks, the middle of 25. Okay? The last prophet to speak under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was Malachi. 396 to 397 B.C. Fulfilling the 49 years, the end of the Old Testament. The 400 years of silence came after that. And it was broken by John the Baptist, the voice crying in the wilderness. No known prophet was speaking for 400 years. Malachi was the last. That's why the Old Testament ends with Malachi. The second division of the prophecy marks the first coming of the Messiah, the Prince. Notice in verse 25, the 62 weeks multiplied by 7 is what? 434 years. The addition of 49 years plus 434 is a total of what? 483 years, indicating the date of the arrival of a specific person until the Messiah, the Prince, who would be cut off, but not for himself. So beginning the command, March 14, 445 B.C., forward until Messiah the Prince indicating the particular event regarding Jesus, the cutting off regarding his death and crucifixion. So the starting point is the command of Artaxerxes here. As I said, March 14, 445 B.C. Now, if you project that forward, the 483 years to the day, it brings us to Sunday, the 6th of April, 32 AD, when Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem 
on the donkey in his triumphal entry. Matthew 21 records it. The first part of the prophecy of Zechariah was clearly fulfilled. In fact, it's quoted in Matthew. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughters of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, the colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah 9, 9. Fulfilled to the very day. Identifying him as that prince of Messiah here. Now, Zechariah has a second part to his prophecy. In Zechariah 9.10, the next verse. It wasn't quoted. It will be full in the second coming. Listen to it. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle both shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. That's the second coming. It wasn't quoted. Only verse 9. There's a gap between the two. So far about 2,000 years. Between verse 26 of Daniel 27, there's a gap between the two. Almost 2,000 years. This gap is confirmed throughout Scripture. Now the Messiah, the Prince, and the Messiah, to be cut off, then both refer to Jesus Christ. The Messiah, the Prince, indicates his triumphal entry to Jerusalem, riding on the donkey. As he was hailed Messiah, save now, save now, they said. Hosanna. And the Messiah shall be cut off in the case of crucifixion, the death for the sins of the world, as the substitute of mankind. It's hard to miss it. Now, notice there is a reference to a second prince in the middle of 26 there at the end. And the people of the prince, now this one's not capitalized, who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. This prince was the Roman general Titus. The prophecy was that he would destroy the city and the sanctuary, the temple of Solomon. The Jews rebelled, as you know, in 66 AD against Rome. Titus came into the city and he burned the sanctuary, looting all the gold. And because the temple was set on fire, all the gold melted. So what did Titus do? He had his soldiers remove one stone from upon another to scrape all the gold. Not one stone was left upon another from the temple. Just as Jesus predicted in Matthew 24, 2. Not one stone will be left upon another. In Matthew 24. He told the disciples. Now, the last stronghold of the Jews was Masada, as you know. It fell in 73 AD by mass suicide. Now, the result being... Notice the total destruction by Titus. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the wars, desolation are determined. The Jewish people were killed. Thousands were crucified and the rest were enslaved and dispersed throughout the Roman world. Just as Jesus predicted in Matthew 24, Mark 13 and Luke 21. Listen to his words in Matthew 23, 37 through 39. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks on their wings. But you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall not see me no more till you say, 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The second coming. Listen to his words in Luke 19, 41-44. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. Broken heart. He came to his own. His own received him not. They rejected the Messiah. Saying, as he wept, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embarkment around you, surround you, and close you up on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Man, accurate, amazing. The third division of the prophecy is yet future. The prophetic clock has stopped for almost 2,000 years during the church age. The last week is divided into two three and a half years that we'll see in verse 27. Tribulation, great tribulation. The consistency of the multiples of sevens for the prophecy of the first 69 weeks must be followed in the last one. You cannot change it. So if it's a multiple of sevens in the first 69, it must be a multiple of seven in the last, which leaves seven years. It must be literal for us to be consistent in our interpretation. The evidence of the scriptures are overwhelming. For one-fifth of scripture is prophecy. One-third of that one-fifth concerns, listen, the second coming. There are 1,845 references to the second coming of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And a total of 17 Old Testament books give it Prominence Of the 260 chapters in the entire New Testament, 318 references to the second coming, or one out of 30 verses. 23 of the 27 New Testament books refer to this great event of the second coming. The four missing books include three which are single chapter Letters written to individual persons on a particular subject. And the fourth is Galatians, which does imply the coming of Christ a second time. For, for every prophecy on the first coming of Jesus, there are eight for his second coming. Now, why would you believe he's not coming? The study of prophecy is amazing in that you have to come to a decision about the scriptures that predict events, occurrences, and even names of people hundreds of years before their birth. Accurate. Much like here, the 70th weeks of Daniel. Allow me to give you only three possibilities for your conclusion. First is that the Bible was and is the product of a group of men who were faultless, perfect, and endowed with some supernatural ability to look into the future. That's your first option. 
The second is that the Bible was written by mere men with no greater gift than Plato, Socrates, or George Lucas. Therefore, the prophecies are just one big coincidence and it is all a product of chance. That's your second option. Now consider if you take that option. It's written over 600 years span. 40 different authors from kings to fishermen, statements, tax collectors, herdsmen, military generals, etc. Written in three languages containing 66 books which have a central theme and purpose of salvation, redemption through the promised Messiah. Allow me to give you your third option, which is the best option. It is simply this, that the Bible is God's inspired word received and recorded by men chosen by God to declare his word and prophecies, making them inerrant and infallible. And the scriptures declare exactly that. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says, All scriptures given by inspiration of God. God breathed. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Breathe out from God. Second Peter chapter 1, 20 and 21 says, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. Knowing this first, so they talk about the prophetic scriptures because all they have was the Old Testament when he wrote this. They didn't have no New Testament. That no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. That's a bad translation. This is what it means. Is of no personal impulse of origin. It didn't derive from them. For prophecy never came by the will of man but holy men of God spoke as they were moved or literally carried by the Holy Spirit. That is your third option. It is the safest option. This is God's inerrant, infallible word. And whether you believe what he says about prophecy or sin or judgment, he's not moved by that. He doesn't really care. What he cares is he's told you, he's warned you. And that one day he will judge you and hold you responsible for what he has given to you. I would suggest that you would go for number three. <laughs> it's the safest and the most blessed. The particular fulfillment of the prophecy finalized the way of salvation. Wow. Incredible. The 69 weeks of Daniel... Reveal the first coming of Jesus, which has been laid out for us here in this simple threefold division. The particulars of the prophecy were to make the way for salvation. The particular time of the prophecy was to secure the way of salvation. And the particular fulfillment of the prophecy finalized the way to salvation. Man, what an incredible prophecy. It's for you, it's for me. If you don't know the Lord, man, I pray that you cry out to Him and turn from your sin. 
Pastor Xavier Rees, and the signs of the times, signaling the prophetic coming of the end times, as drawn from the ninth chapter of the book of Daniel, today on Simple Truths. And if you're interested in obtaining a copy of this message titled, The First 69 Weeks of Daniel, they're available on CD upon request for just $4. Having your own copy allows you to review the study again at your own pace. Plus, everything Pastor Xavier shared the last week together will be included as well. So once again, the title to ask for is The First 69 Weeks of Daniel. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com